The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning once again. Uh, glad you are with us this morning as we remember the Lord. Remember what Jesus has done for us and maybe introduce you to some new folks here in this room or uh, to some new truths about who God is and what he wants for you. Or maybe you've just come to celebrate on uh, this, this Sunday morning, this rhythm of the, of the church, the New Testament church that takes the Lord's day and celebrates it every week uh, to be reminded of the work that he has done for you. My hope is, is that uh, wherever you're at today, that this is a sweet time for you to uh, study the Word of God, to sing about who Jesus is, and to, uh, to celebrate together in community. I just want to be- begin today by introducing you to a couple people. So Scott and Annika, would you mind just standing up for just, just like, I don't know, five seconds? Just stand up for like five seconds. This is Scott and Annika. All right, you guys, you can be seated, okay? So Scott and Annika, you clapped. I didn't even tell you, like, you don't even know anything about them. That's awesome. Who else would like to stand today and get a clap? I mean, just, yeah, I'm just kidding. All right, so the whole, the whole sound booth stood up. They're excited. All right, so for you guys, uh, each, each year we have a new rhythm with our local seminary, and sometimes it works out where the seminary has students that there's pastoral interns that want to develop and grow in different areas, and the seminary has learned that when students, men and women, can get involved in local churches while they're in seminary, uh, they, they learn a lot uh, more and things tend to stick a lot better in, the, in their minds of things that they're studying in their classes. And through the Timothy Track and other organizations, we've had Ashley Frank, she, she's been, she got married since then, she's Ashley Campbell now, and she was a fantastic season we had here serving with us. But we have Scott now and his wife, Annika, they've chosen to go through our membership class and will become members this year and uh, he is um, kind of uh, paired up this year and uh, Scott has pastoral experience and, and, and wants to replant and plant churches in his future and we said man come and join us for a season Scott got to share some of his testimony with the men's uh, men's group this morning during men's breakfast so that was sweet to know you a little bit more there as well but great to have both of you a part of our church and and please stick around as long as you'd like to Okay, as long as you'd like to. Uh, I want to also uh, begin today with another guest. Paul Martin, would you come up? That's right, we're clapping today, guys. We are clapping today. Paul Martin's microphone. All right. You're welcome. So Paul is a member here at uh, our church. He's also a member of First Southern Baptist Church uh, prior to uh, a neighborhood church receiving um, this building. And, and Paul has been a servant from the first day I met him, uh, being the one who, uh, when we were just coming over to the church last year, just kind of get to know things. And our first conversation was, he said, I have knee pads and gloves because I'm ready to pass on the gutter cleaning. And I was like, wow, Paul. I'm sure we can take care of that. And then you know what happened? We didn't. So he came out and cleaned the gutters this year too. So we got to work on this, guys. We got to work on this too. 
So when we learned that there was uh, going to be a, a grounds team, I made sure that Paul Martin was aware, like, hey, we're going to form a team here to take care of the facilities and take care of the, of the grounds. And just I wanted to ask him a few questions on why he has jumped into this team. And maybe to preface this a little bit, we're in a season called Finding Your Sweet Spot. There's a bunch of sign-up sheets in the lobby. Maybe you saw those. And we're just a season where if you're interested in something that going, that's going on in the church, we'd have you uh, just sign your name there and we'll be in contact with you. Okay, so Paul. Paul, my first question for you today is, how did you get involved with serving on grounds team in some of the service of the church? Well, it was that day that you put me in a headlock. <laughs> That's, and, right. And That's right. Which was not easy to do. And, Paul's a very strong man. That's right. That's right. Uh, as you pointed out, I uh, just continued on the tradition from First Southern, and we had, uh, uh, you know, we stand on the shoulders of those giants. I mean, it... This truly is an example of, of the Lord's work. We had a, we had a faithful congregation. We, uh, Larry and Ron were on the grounds team, and, um, and just chronologically, that was withering. Yeah. And the, we didn't know what we were going to do. We prayed, we prayed for the Lord to fill this church. Mm-hmm. I said, I can't do that. <laughs> and, and now it's full, and there's children running up and down the hall, and... Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's just the Lord working. And he, I was on the grounds crew before, yeah. and that was a good continuation. Um, Curtis just taught a class with us about finding our gifts. And I don't think my gift is teaching. I think, I think a strong back and a weak mind and, and, uh, and, and, this is not and, true. Go, and go out and mow the grass. And, and I don't mean that as, uh, as derogatory towards the, the other guys that work of course, with me. Of course, of course. But that's, 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 my, that's my calling. No, it's very, very humble of you. Very humble of you. We had a, we had, I'm just going to keep bragging on Paul here. We had a work day up here one day. We're working inside, but it's kind of raining outside. So, of course, Paul's in his little pickup truck basically shoveling the mud and grass off the sidewalk off Antioch because it was mostly grass and not sidewalk. But, of course, most of us see Paul walking all the time. You know the one person that walks on Antioch? It's Paul, right? So it's like he's like, I want, you know, the sidewalk needs to be clear for other people that want to walk and run. And, and I go out there to try to help him. He's like, no, you go ahead and keep working inside the church. I got this. And the, his pickup truck is full of sod that he's with his strong back, as he's mentioned, just floating in there. I'm just picturing this man of God. And, and the weak mind. <laughs> stop, stop. <laughs> Genius! You should have seen what he was using, these tools. <laughs> Phenomenal. But anyway, there was, this, there was this point where as I walk back up the hill in the rain, and I look back, and I take a picture, because I just want to capture this moment of just a, a faithful man of God who cares about the place where people come to worship the Lord. And, and I wanted him to come up and share a little bit even maybe, uh, why, do you, why do you think other people should get involved in service in different areas around the church? Because we have, of course, outside service, inside service, other needs we've been talking about. What would you say to others who maybe aren't involved now that maybe should? Well, it'll get you out of the headlock. It's <laughs> That's the right. way out. I, I finally I, let go. Uh, That's true. I, I think we're, we're striving to be Christ-like and uh, God and Christ created the universe. He could create the universe, yet he washed the disciples' feet, and he showed us how to be a servant. And um, I got up here, I, usually five minutes late is early for me, but I got, I got up here early one day, and, and Dave was cleaning the restrooms, and I thought, there's a servant, and I, you know, that's, that's Christ-like to see you 
cleaning the bathrooms. Weak mind, it's helpful. And, and, and uh, so I thought, if, if he can do that, I, I can serve too. Oh, so. That's very, very kind of you. One uh, thing, they, as we were they, talking before, you were just sharing about some of the guys that you had been meeting while being on the grounds team. Yeah, it's a, it's a um, you know, we still have our friends here from First Southern, but we've got a lot of new friends. And, um, I, you know, I, you'll notice afterwards that I'm, uh, I'll be picking up the communion cups. And that's really not an act of service. It's, uh, I, I, see, I see Dave and Joel and Curtis and Brian and, and, and Rob, and they're, it's just natural for them to go around and after church and see what people's needs are and what, what they can do for them. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm picking up cups so I don't have to talk to anybody. <laughs> so that's, it's not an act of service, it's an act of avoidance. And, and um, but um, in, in, in volunteering for these things, and I, I'm on a team, we, first of all, we spread it out so nobody, nobody gets overworked. We have three teams. And Paul Camp Schroeder, let, let me just divert here for a minute. Long, That's what today's short, all about. Short question, long answer. <laughs> um, this is, I, I just love you people because it's a do-it-yourself church. And Paul and Ryan fixed breakfast for us this morning. They're, they did, they did. it was so their good. Their hands fixed us our breakfast. It was so good. Uh, Paul not only heads up our grounds crew, he's responsible for it. We've got three teams, and he's on two of them. <laughs> so uh, you don't have to throw a rock very far to find an example around here. But I, I just love that we're a do-it-yourself church. I, a friend of mine it goes to a prominent church here, and they don't have a kitchen because everything's catered. And, I mean, I want a, I want a meal that was prepared by loving hands. Yeah. So, but anyway... In my avoidance, I don't meet so many people, and but I've gotten to know Jess and uh, Jess Pervance and Steve Wilson, and I could have avoided them for years. <laughs> and but 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 we, you know, I have two I have two friends and brothers in Christ that I wouldn't otherwise have. The other the other thing I'll say is that uh, I look around at how busy you are. I mean, I've you know, uh, uh, some of us are slowing down. We don't have as much energy. But those of you that do have the energy, you've also got kids that you're raising and homes that you're fixing. And I, I see you guys come up here. I know you've got a thousand other things going, and yet you're up here serving, serving the Lord. Well, thank you, Paul. Thank you so much. Let's give it a hand for Paul once again for serving in so many ways. So we have uh, teams, as we've mentioned. One of them is a is a building team, uh, a, a grounds team. We have maintenance teams. We have cleaning teams, as we've mentioned. Um, we've had uh, painting teams up here. We're slowly working our way around the building, painting the walls. So. Um, We've been talking about just service in general, so I'm going to continue some today as we finish up our series. Um, but I just want to encourage you that the, the, the attitude Paul has, and Paul, as he mentioned, if your name's Paul, you're a winner around here. So if, if, you, if 
these kind of attitudes, these be around this, it's contagious. And there's a joy of serving that you think, do I want to go up there and do that? And once you get there, you can't imagine not being a part of what's going on up here. So um, my, my hope is that you would, you would be encouraged by these messages and also these stories and that you would consider writing your name down on a few places here in the community. Before we jump into our passage, let me say a prayer and just ask the Lord um, guide us as we study his word. Holy Spirit, thank you for your power in our lives to give us the faith and to, to actively show us the truth in your word. May it be the thing we stand on and are guided by. And may we every Sunday study it, celebrate it, uh, pray through it, be reminded of the work that you have done for us, but then, then, then per, pushes, us, pushes us to do uh, great works in your name. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, I always picture kind of the, uh, a guy who's been in ministry for a while, the work of the Levites. When these, this was a, a tribe of Israel that was just like, you guys take care of the religious things. And back then there was lots more, we'll say, blood involved in a lot of the acts and the things. We have a lot less blood involved. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for that decision in the New Testament. Um, but my hope for you is there's just still things to do around the church, right? For them, it was rebuilding walls, rebuilding temples, um, building unity while they rebuilt walls, holding a sword in one hand and a shovel in the other while they rebuilt walls, things like that. But they did it together, and it, and it builds some unity and community amongst the group because they had a vision for building spaces that God's people could live and work and grow. And my hope for you, um, that the building for us is just another tool that God has used for us as Neighborhood Church, the people, to grow in our faith and invite people to and to use for anything from Bible studies to soccer parties, right? Like this space is a community space for us that God has given to us to use for his glory. And then we show the love of Jesus through it. Our passage we're in is Romans 12. We've been in Romans 12. We'll finish up this section today. And we're going to start reading from 12.4. There's Bibles all around the room underneath the chairs. And, and feel free to take one of those. If you need a Bible, want to use a Bible, you can have that Bible if you need a Bible or give that Bible away to somebody. Uh, that's a gift uh, from you to them. Just We're just letting you use that so we give it through you, of course. Um, but before we read 12.4, just to be reminded, Romans 12.3, high points, be a living sacrifice. Then you're going to know what God's will is. And then be humble. Be humble because you recognize these are gifts that God has given to you to use for his purposes. So I'm just going to read Romans 12, 4 again through 8. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service and our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And today we're going to look at three of those, exhortation, leading with zeal, and doing acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So I did skip, if you recognize the passage or as you paid attention, I did skip the contributes in generosity because the next couple weeks we're going to have a series on stewardship and giving and I'm just going to, we're going to highlight that some next couple weeks. So I'm holding off for the next couple weeks for that topic. 
So to begin with, in this beginning part of this passage, we recognize that it's God who gives the gifts. And though we're many, we have Christ as the head and we're connected to one another. Jesus is the head of the church, and we want to make sure we always start with that in our community. It for sure is not me, and it's for sure not you. It's, it's Jesus. And picture this, that we're, we're receiving commands. He has great commandments. We do not have those from him. And it's not the other way around. We are not the church who has it all figured out. We tell Jesus, I need you to do this for me. Holy Spirit, I need you to do this for me. God, we do this for me. Do this. We're not the head. Okay, he is the one who's prepared the good works that we are to perform and follow. The problem is that when we are members one of another, when Jesus being the head, we start comparing ourselves to one another. That's why this passage is in the Bible, because Paul has hung out with other people. He himself is a person in sin and recognizes that this comparison, who's better than who, who's listening to who, who's, who's got a, a, a strong mind and a weak back, right? Like we're starting to compare now who has which, which skill sets, but we must recognize that we do not be need to be arguing over uh, the thumb or the elbow or the right kidney or the nose. There's a reason why Paul is reminding us. It's because we are sinful and we need help. I think this analogy uh, of where we think, hey, uh, I'm a right hand of the church and no, no, I'm a left hand of the church and we start arguing, is the body right-handed or left-handed? You know, that, that's the brokenness that we kind of start playing out. And I think sometimes, and I don't mean to belittle anyone in here, but it's like we're like thumb hairs and toe hairs. And it's like, now we're arguing. This is what we're arguing about. My toe hair is more important than your thumb hair. It's like, recognize who you are. Recognize that you are not God's Savior. He's already done that. But you're a part of the body. You're a part of the body. You have a purpose. I don't want to belittle that, that you're not gifted with a purpose and a function as a part of the body. We need you. But if you start thinking, I'm the right-handed of the, of the right-hand neighborhood church, then you've missed the whole point of Romans 12. It, is need, it needs to be with humility. And last week, we looked at prophecy, teaching, and service. And today, as I mentioned, we're going to begin with exhortation. This is a word we don't use very often, so let's look at it a little more closely today. Romans 12, 8, the one who exhorts in his exhortation. What is exhortation? Well, it's an, an urging action that is characterized by encouragement, warnings, advice, instructions, an, an urgent appeal, if you will. That's an exhortation, okay? So maybe you have this gift. In the NIV, it's translated, translated as an encourager than in your encouraging, where you take the steps to actually actively say feelings and opinions and appeals to others. Maybe this is you. And it seems like an easy one, right? So what is Paul doing? He's saying, I need to encourage the encouragers to encourage. Sounds like their gift's not very strong, right? Like, why is that happening? Well, I guess we could see that there's issues with this. Maybe you are an encourager, and how do you practice this gift? You could say things like, nice haircut, because you recognize things like that. Or you could say, sweet ride, because you know that bicycle is exactly what they need to be riding. Or you could say, 
man, I like the way you walk because you like the stride, you know, that's kind of something you notice. Or maybe you are like most of the men this morning. That food was delicious, right? Like you have this feeling inside you where you recognize something and maybe that's the beginning of it. Maybe that's the start if you may be an encourager. But there's things that hold us back that often go much deeper than saying if we like somebody's shirt or not. And first of all, and it comes most to our minds, we think, why don't I encourage people? Because often there's jealousy involved. You notice something, but it's not yours. So there's some sin that's kind of taking place in your mind of like, I kind of want that shirt. Or I want your life to go more extreme. Maybe people think, well, if you're in a group of people and I start to encourage this person, the maybe the person that's maybe around them will feel discouraged because you didn't encourage them the same way you encouraged this person. And you start to think, well, now I need to explain why I didn't encourage you the same way I encouraged you. And you're like, wow, this is really messy. And you're like, no way. Just not saying anything at all, right? That's some of us sometimes. Too messy. Maybe sometimes we tend to focus on the problems or the brokenness or the holes that we see. We can't quite put our finger on it sometimes, but it's not really like, I can't say great job because there were these components that for sure could have been better. And that kind of holds you back because you don't want to be dishonest, right? Maybe some of us, we just don't care. When people encourage us, we don't feel a lot. So to encourage somebody else, it sounds like wasted time or wasted words. Or maybe you have some sort of ulterior motive, and they're going to start judging you. And you're like, well, that's way too messy. It's easier just not to say anything. But anyway, you guys get the point. There's lots of things that muzzle us from actually living out the encouraging life that God would have for us. Here's the key, though. As followers of Christ, as followers of Jesus, because he has done everything that we need to have a relationship with the most popular, most famous entity in the world, being a child of the king, we can be free to encourage. Here's some verses. Here's some summaries of some verses for you. Hebrews 3. Encourage each other daily. 1 Thessalonians 5. Encourage one another. And build each other up. Proverbs 12. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word cheers it up. This is true for all of us. We, we love to be honestly encouraged. We genuinely are cheered up when somebody thoughtfully experienced something positively that we did. And then they take the time to think it, feel it, and then to communicate back to us that it was a good thing. It was something they enjoyed or something that was special to them. We hear things like, when you did this, it was good for me. We hear things like, when you said that, oh, it was so sweet to my soul. Or maybe, when you reminded me of God's truth in that area, it's exactly what I needed. And what's common in these examples that are very general 
is there was an action taken. Things were said. Things were reminded. Things were done. And I pray that Neighborhood Church is a church that's filled with people who have the gift of encouragement and are using it, but also people who are developing this practice of encouragement because of what Jesus has done for us. Can we be that kind of church? What do you say? Yeah, yes, I guess you yes. yes, yes. <laughs> Does he want us to talk? I encourage you to speak. Okay. The second gift, that was encouragement. The second gift that we look at, to, that we're going to look at today from uh, Paul's list here is leadership. Romans 12, 8 and following. It says, the one who leads with zeal. So if you have the gift of leadership, lead with zeal. The Greek word here, so Paul didn't speak our beautiful language of English that we know of. He wrote it in, in his language, and the language that he chose to write in was Greek. And this word he uses about leadership is, is kind of a word that refers to giving, but also refers to uh, showing mercy. So it's a word kind of between the two. So what we use in our language often is servant leadership. Right? There's even a lot of books on this idea of servant leadership. And what is a servant leadership? How, how is it one to lead uh, with servant leadership? With zeal. And this word, we don't use this word a ton, but it's like diligently or persistently. So where God has given you leadership, and most of us have some sort of leadership in our life. It's, it's uh, many of us, if we're, not a, if we're not a child, then in our home we have some leadership. Right, as a mother or father or grandfather or grandmother or aunt or uncle, there's places that we have uh, uh, opportunities to be a servant leader. And we recognize that through the scriptures and through our own expectations, this is how leaders should lead. One example from Ephesians 5, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Do you guys hear the zealous, persistent servant leadership in that command to husbands? Now it's convicting because most of us like to evaluate our leadership skills in other areas through work and our communities or some teams that we lead. And those are great. I'm so glad that you're leaders in those areas. But what's the true place where the heart of the leader is evaluated, which God can see these? It's often in the home. I will often tell kids all the time, especially teenagers, who you are at home, that's actually who you are. Kids are like, I don't want to be that person. But that's who you are, right? That's actually... That's the space where the true you is most visibly seen. But parents, spouses, who you are at home, that's who you actually are. And yes, in social life and in communities and at work, you've learned to adapt and kind of cover up some things. But when we talk about the scriptures and we talk about God and we talk about the spirit, you know what we talk about here in neighborhood church? Your heart. There's no, there's no grade. I'm not evaluating people that know you and they're giving me back a test. It's self-evaluation of your heart. And to be a servant leader for all of us in the room, 
We need to recognize, are we servant leaders at home? Do we have a diligent, a persistent zeal that continues even when things are harder, you're not understood? Are you the first to start doing the work and the last to leave? From my experience of working with volunteers most of my career, which has been about 25 years now, with you know, nonprofits and church service, the best way to build a team, the best way to build relationships with folks is to be a servant leader and not a dictator that has all the answers. And I tell you, the teams, I've been on more teams than I've ever led. I've got some that I love that I was a part of and some that I hated. And a key difference was the ones I loved, the guys and the girls were servant leaders. The ones I hated were guys and girls that I kind of didn't like very much because they were jerks. I don't mean to be rude to you if you, if you lead that way, but I kind of just want to tell you this is my experience from leading from an authoritarian perspective. I'll be in my office. You get the work done. I think Christ would have us be servant leaders if he's given us areas to lead. And my hope for you, just so you know, I don't lead. There's a ton of things that happen at this church. I don't lead most of them. But what I would want for you as you lead ministries at this, our church, it's not my church, at our church, is that you would lead them from the posture of a servant leader. Where you build one another up in encouraging ways we just studied. And also, as you are one who works with mercy and giving on each side. Can we be that kind of church? We have those kind of teams that we love to serve alongside our brothers and sisters. The men and the women and the students that work most diligently and are kind and forgiving and like to teach are the kind of leaders that those of us in the room, we want to follow. So first we talked about exhortation and encouragement. We just talked about leadership leading out of a servant leadership mindset. And thirdly, acts of mercy with cheerfulness will be our third and final area today. Romans 12, 8, as it continues, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Since mercy is shown in the New Testament over and over again, it's often seen as those with difficulty in their lives or in need and common words that we read in the New Testament are sick, suffering, poor, the word the needy. We find that in the New Testament where this idea of acts of mercy are being played out. And we have the same words and the same need in our generation today. Those that are sick, those that are unhealthy, those that are poor. And often in these situations, and pretty much what this category is, when you step into these areas of life, there's very little that's going to come back to you financially, physically, but spiritually, emotionally, it's a roller coaster. You're going to have some high highs and some low lows, but there's going to be a gift in there. And that's what I want to talk to you guys for.
a second. There's some people in our church right now that have some physical needs, some health needs, and they may never ever be able to pay you back if you ever get sick. They're just too sick. You're not giving IOUs out. Like, hey, glad I could help. Here's my phone number. I'll let you know. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about people that will probably regularly be in these rhythms. And my, I've just chosen, um, since we started the church, to put my cell phone number um, on the webpage. Um, other pastors of mine think I'm crazy, but it's, it's good. It's been really good. I get some pretty interesting conversations sometimes, uh, but I've had lots of opportunities because of it as well. And I just want to share a short story as I close about a guy named Rusty. Rusty, um, he called me and uh, sounded like a young guy. Uh, um, and he, he told me he needed a shower and just asked if our church had a shower. I said, dude, I don't have a church. This was last year. I said, but I know a church because we had been meeting here in the summer last, last year. And I said, uh, there's a lady named Maggie in the office. I think she's working today. Um, I'll swing by there and just talk to her. Uh, there's for sure a sink. Would that work? He said, that'd be great. So he said, I'm at Price Chopper. And he goes to tell me the address. And I'm like, bro, I know where Price Chopper is, right? <laughs> so I go to Price Chopper. He's got a blue hat on. I got a red hat on. We do the whole like stranger thing. He's got a big duffel bag because that's all he owns. And I said, Rusty, he was like, Pastor Dave. It's like we, I drove him down to the church, let him go into the into the." Um, the, uh, the bathroom there, and me and Maggie had a great conversation. And when he came out, he said, thanks. And I said, what can I do next for you, Rusty? Just like you would in most of these situations, you do one question at a time. You have no idea what's going to be next. He said, could you drive me to Metcalf? I've got a job interview coming up. That's why I needed to get changed. And I was like, no problem. So I dropped him off at one of the fast food restaurants. And I said, all right, bro, let me know if you need something else. I'm uh, right here in the neighborhood. And I chose not to give my address away for this specific situation. And he said, yeah, there's a couple things I need. I'll call you. He had a cell phone. So he called back a couple hours later, told me some personal items he needed. I swung by the store, picked those up, went to the same place that he was. He, his job interview got canceled, right, which is very common in these kind of situations. And I said, um, can I talk to you about um, my life a little bit, Rusty? I'd love to hear about yours. And he said, Sure. So I said, why don't you go first? He shared some of his story, and um, I shared some of mine and why I was happy to help him being a follower of Jesus. And uh, the conversation turned to, the, to a Bible that I had for him. So I, one of these, I came in here, you know, <laughs> to kind of grab a Bible from the, the First Southern Baptist Church. I'm sure they didn't care, right? And I, um, I recognized that he had some, some religious background, Right, had a lot of a lot of nice things to say about church, and I couldn't tell if many of them were true or if he was just trying to pull for the next need that he had. And as I began to talk to Rusty, I recognized he has some uh, some other problems, probably some some mental issues as he's trying to piece his story together. Um, I'm not a psychologist by any means, but just I get to hang out with people for a living. So I just recognized how could I help you? What's your next step, Rusty? He's 27 years old. So uh, Rusty shares with me that he needs a ride to a place that he can maybe sleep for the night. So I take him there. I didn't hear from Rusty for a couple days. He, he, um, I, I, I don't know. He, I, I texted him. He didn't text back. And all of a sudden he texted me. He said, I needed a ride to go get my 
to get food stamps out in Independence. And for those of us who live in the neighborhood, Independence might as well be like Nebraska. Like, okay, I'll drive. I know you guys live there. Love you. Thanks for coming. Right. So, but Independence, you know, driving out to Independence, I never go that way. So I drive out to Independence and I get his food. food. I'm just glad it was like a real place and got his food card and took him to another place I'd never been to before. And I'm like, all right, Rusty, you let me know. Two more text messages go by. I think I'd do one or two more things for him over these two weeks. And then he just texted me one day. said, I need a ride to Columbia today. And I was like, Rusty, I can't. I can't do that. And he sends back the rudest text that I've gotten in five years. Like some of you students, I'd say, what do these words mean? Right? Like I don't know what some of these things are that he's saying to me. Because I wouldn't drive him to Columbia the day of this question. And why do I share this story? Well, I share this story because when I read the message, <laughs> acts of mercy with cheerfulness is not what I was feeling. I had multiple days in the last two weeks that I did not do what I wanted to do those days. But I did what I felt like I should do or that Jesus would do if he was here and had a car and he could take people places. But I needed to recognize in that moment, was I doing this because I wanted to change Rusty's life forever in the few moments I get to spend with him in this season of life as he travels from West Coast to East Coast was because I wanted to save him. I want him to say yes to the gospel in those multiple spiritual conversations as we're in the car and his life be turned around. It's because I, because if he didn't, I was going to be a failure as a pastor and wouldn't have a good story to tell you. Like, I don't know, what were, what's the layers of all these conversations? And what it came down to that last text within minutes, I had to recognize, Father, you've made Rusty. And Rusty has had a lot different last 20 years than I have had. His last 100 decisions he just made were pretty horrible. And my last 100 were somewhat healthy. And we're in different places and I know he's traveling east, and I got to be a part of his life for a couple weeks, and he got some more food, he didn't get into a fight, and he's still alive. Father, may I do acts of mercy because I want to serve you. Here's a passage, Ephesians 6 and 7, that encouraged me that week. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. So how do you do this? How do you show acts of mercy with people that are ungrateful or expect you because of whatever privilege or background or nurture and nature that you have that you're supposed to do things? You just serve them like you're serving Jesus. Sometimes I pictured the time between Jesus getting beaten up and the cross. That's the only time we have Jesus like that in that state. Right, prior to the Jesus getting beaten up, we don't find Jesus sick and dying anywhere. But he gets beat up really badly, where most of us probably would have just gave, given up then. But that's not where Jesus was supposed to give up yet. But between that point and the cross, if you found Jesus, he could do nothing for you. He's almost dead. Would you take care of him cheerfully? Just because he's a hurt person? Or would you leave him to die? And when I read this, serve wholeheartedly as you are serving the Lord, not people. That's the one place where I feel like I could maybe help Jesus. 
And we meet men and women all the time. And as you get older, you find there's more and more men and women like this all over the place that have made many horrible decisions. But you know that as you meet these people and hear their stories, there's a circle of people that have made horrible decisions to them as well. And may we be the kind of people that do acts of mercy cheerfully because we know that we're serving humans who are made in the image of God. That's my plea for us. And if this is your gift, would you help us? Those of us that struggle with this injustice, my hope is that as we finish this series that you have considered serving in a new way, that you've thought about maybe there's a sweet spot for sure because of different things that we've talked about, but also there's a place that you just want to give some of your time because these teams need some help. These three circles, we talked about areas of passions, areas of opportunities around you and the giftings that God has given you. Where's your sweet spot? We talked about this. I hope that you find it. But I want to end this series with where we started. Romans 12, 1. This is my prayer for us as a church. And as you are individually trying to follow the Lord with your life, that you would follow this appeal that Paul has for you. Romans 12.1 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will of God, what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's my hope for all of us as neighborhood church. Let me pray. Jesus, thanks for being merciful to us. May we be conduits of grace and mercy to others for the rest of our lives. And every time we do that, may we display you to the world. And God, you care about the heart. And may we not do it for our own, uh, for our own elevation of what people may think about us, but we do it because we're serving you and we're so thankful for the work you've already done to us. And in those conversations and in those givings of time and money, may we see it as an offering to you, God. May we be encouragers. May we be leaders. May we do many acts of mercy. That's all in your name. Amen.